0: Welcome to the BC Buckets Podcast, this is Matt Gall joined at the Newman Flanagan Center as always by head coach Mark Sviguerra, sports information director Kevin Potterbaum, and special guest today, senior Eric Erdman joins us and Eric just told us he got done taking a fat nap. Eric can you please explain to us what a fat nap means, I don't think any of us have heard that before.
1: Yeah it's, a, it's pretty simple, a fat nap is you know just a pretty large nap, I would refer to it as a mini sleep. Okay. So I think a fat nap is anything over an hour, or if you wake up and not really know where you are, you know, those kind of naps.
0: Anything over an hour is just sleeping, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Same thing. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you in a little bit about how the preseason's been going with you and, and with the team in general. But first things first, we're going to ask Coach Figuera how the last couple of weeks have gone with practice. And I know we had an alumni game a week ago, so how have things been going?
2: Well, so far so good. Um, we're 11 practices in at this point um, and also had the alumni game, which you mentioned. That was a week ago, Saturday. And that's always a great day for our program. We had, I believe, 22 former players back to play in the alumni games in uh, in varying levels of in shape, varying levels of still have their game from when they played at Briarcliff. But all in all, we had some, some former players here that were outstanding players at Briarcliff. You know, you look at the last 4 or 5 years of graduates we've had and almost every single one of them was here. I'm talking about dudes that won a lot of basketball games, you know, a couple of different All-Americans, multiple All-Conference players, and uh, they gave us all we wanted. I'll tell you that much. You know, we were we were actually behind the alums at half. Um, and we 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 did pull away eventually in the second half. I think we wore them down a little bit because even if you're young and still in pretty good shape, it's just not the same as if you're actually still playing college basketball, but uh, it, it was really really good for us as a team going forward just to see somebody else. you know sometimes in practice you get kind of sick of seeing the same guy across from you every single day and you know it's good to just see somebody else even if we were very familiar with the guys on the other side. but, but like I said, more importantly, it's a great day for our program to have those guys back at Briar Cliff and, and the continued support that we get from alums' it's, it's one of the things that makes Briar Cliff basketball special.
0: I know you're going to be doing your uh, conference rankings pretty soon. I know the coaches have to submit those probably in the next week or so. Where would you put that alumni team, given their current age and current ability? That's a great question,
2: and you're putting me on the spot with it. Um, I'll tell you this. They would win games in the G Pack. I know that for a fact, and if you let them have have a season of practice and get in shape, I think they'd be pretty dang good.
0: They were. It was fun to watch, especially a lot of those guys were fairly recent grads, too, and, and you can tell some have probably been still playing a little bit and, and getting in. Uh, well, yeah, the gym, some of them some still shots. playing,
2: and what what I found, and I think this goes for a lot of former college athletes, when you get back in the moment of it, it's hard to turn off the competitiveness you once had. And so I'll just I'll throw one name out there. Brian Forbes was pretty intense in the alumni game, and obviously – you know, Brian was a great player here, um, now a coach, you know, so he has that intensity to him, but he was, he was going a little nuts out on the floor, which, you know, it's kind of fun for me to see. It's been a couple of years.
0: You could tell they came out obviously with nothing to lose. The alumni wanted to come out and have fun. They played loose. They played hard. Do you think that gives them the advantage just that they're out? There's no pressure anymore. They're just having fun. I think it
2: absolutely does. You know, and I, for some of our players, it, there's an awkwardness to it, you know. I'll use Eric. He's sitting right here. You know, as a senior, he played with a lot of those guys. You know, three classes of those guys he played with, and most of them were there. And you know, they're coming at him. That definitely happened. They're talking all kinds of trash to him. Um, you know, so there's definitely more pressure on on the current team than there is on the alums, because like you
0: said, they have nothing to lose. Eric, how do you go into an alumni game? How do you game plan? I mean, you know some of the strengths and weaknesses, obviously, of the guys. You obviously know some of the psychological ways you can probably get in their head just because you know what uh, what makes some of them tick and probably some of the things that uh, probably make them pretty mad if you can talk some trash out there. So what's your mindset going into a game, preparing to play against guys you know really well?
1: Yeah, I'd say the number one thing is just knowing that Um, we're in a lot better shape than they are. (laughs) And uh, that's not trying to be mean, but, you know, you got guys huffing and puffing after one up and down. But like Coach said, you got some really talented dudes on the other team. I mean, you got Clay Harold, Shane, Forbes, Luffler. I mean, some studs coming back that won a lot of games, like Coach said. And so I think it was really fun, especially with the younger guys on our team, to just see the passion and energy it takes to be successful here. And it's, it's... it's a good start to season to play guys like that.
0: From your perspective, this was one of the first opportunities for some of the freshmen to get a taste of uh, the the pace of play, I guess, in a in a more intense uh, game. Other than whatever you guys do, obviously, in in practice, how do you feel like the younger guys responded, or did you feel like it was a good experience for them to get a little bit of a taste of the pace and the physicality of the college game?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean. If you read, I know a lot of you guys were we all here watching. Mm-hmm. It yep. was really physical. The alumni yeah. came out and they punched us in the mouth and and that's what Midland Dort those kind of physical teams are going to do in the g Pack. And so, you know, having that in like a, with the bleachers down and people in the stands, it was it was a good experience. Who
0: who do you feel like the crowd was there to to root on was it you guys or was it the alumni I saw a lot of your parents uh, cheering pretty hard for uh, for the old guys
1: yeah I think it was a mixture I think you know like the wives and and the family of the alumni were there secretly cheering for the alumni and then you had the current players parents there and I don't think anyone wanted to say who they were cheering for but it was definitely divided <laughs> Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, it was it was a lot of fun to watch, and you know, I think in any in any uh, alumni game, especially any first game of the year, there's going to be some good, bad, and ugly. And I know, Coach, you probably saw some things that you guys did well, and I'm sure you saw some things that uh, got talked about a lot in practice uh, following those. Do you tape? Did you tape that game? Is that something we do? We
2: we we film all of our scrimmages. We film practice once or twice a week. We watch a lot of film with the guys, um, you know, because like I tell them, film never lies. You know, we can be misled by our eyes. Um, As a player, you can be misled by something you think was happening in the game, but the film never lies. And so it's such a valuable teaching tool and it's something we use a lot with our guys. And and one thing I want to add about the alumni game, you know, the basketball aspect of it aside, which is really fun, like I said, having those guys back, what's more fun to me is to see those guys interacting with our current players and our current players recognizing and seeing the passion and the pride they have in the program. You know, we had a couple of them come to practice on Friday afternoon. You know, and, and Brian Forbes and Shane Graves both got up and, and talked to the guys you know, about what Briarcliff meant to them, what the program still means to them, and you know, kind of their expectations for our guys moving forward and upholding that same tradition that they had a big part of. You know, and that's so awesome to me to see that.
3: Coach, speaking of the different times when you see the reactions or interactions between players, um, something you don't see as much necessarily at the college level, but like in high school if you were ever to have alumni games, there can be a lot of sibling rivalries, um, and I think you guys did have one sibling rivalry kind of going at it. What what kind of aspect does that bring to it?
2: Well, and we did have one um, brother-on-brother matchup. Andy Geelan's one of our sophomores, and his brother Matt was actually an All-American here eight nine years ago now Um, I don't know that they ever actually matched up Um, older brother Matt you know he was a heck of a player here he didn't play a whole lot I don't know if that's because he's out of shape or didn't want to or or what it was I don't know if they actually matched up but I think that is a very interesting aspect um, if you if you would have that for sure
0: so this is the first, uh, I guess, full week of October, and since it's October, that means it's officially uh, basketball month because you guys play your first game in just about three weeks, is that right?
2: Three weeks from tomorrow, we hit the road.
0: Okay, so practice is probably getting more and more intense at this point and more critical that you start game planning.
2: It's It's been really intense, you know, right now and, and even for the next few weeks. we're We're really focused on what we do, you know. We want to make sure... The things that we do, both offensively defensively, we're really good at. The guys are all on the same page with, and and we feel really good about how we can execute offensively and defensively. And as we get a little bit closer to those first games, that first week we play three games, you know, we'll we'll do a lot more game plan specific type actions. You know, defending different things, playing against different kinds of defenses that we may or may not see. Um, you know, but right now, it, it's about. Competition. It's about trying to get better. Um, you know, as, as a coaching staff, it's about trying to find what group of guys is, is going to, you know, be the starting five, be the rotation, be this or that, just trying to define those roles. And that's something that keeps going all year long, I think. But right now, it's really important. Um, and with that, you know, we have a couple scrimmages coming up where, for example, this Friday we scrimmage Peru State who's a, a really good NAI program last year. They went to the Sweet 16 at the NAI Division 1 level and I'm sure they'll be very very talented. You know, and so that's really good for us because as good as practice is, sometimes I think you need to see guys and and lineups together in a game situation where there's officials, they're calling the game like they're going to call it in the G-pack because Even though we have five coaches on our staff at practice every day, not one of us is a good official. And Eric will be the first one to tell you that, um, because he's usually the first one to complain about it. But, um, you know, just putting guys in those situations, um, when there's some adversity in a situation like that, it's really important for us to see who can respond positively to that, what groups of guys can respond positively to that, and we start to try to, you know, figure out who's going to play and who's going to do this role and that role, and and everything else that goes with that. So it's, it's a really important time for us. I mentioned the Peru State scrimmage. We actually have another one the following week down at Southwestern Community College uh, down in Creston, Iowa, home of one of our seniors, actually. But uh, those are really valuable for us. And, and after that one's done, you know, we'll really start getting into
0: it's, it's about game time mode. So at what point do you start specifically looking at the next team on the schedule? And when do you start doing some things to address what they're going to bring?
2: usually one day ahead maybe two Um, especially early in the season non-conference we're not going to know a whole lot about um, some of the teams we're playing now just looking at other schedules we'll we'll have an opportunity to watch every team we've played or we play on film because they play before they play us which is actually nice so we can still have an idea but even with that you just don't know their players like we know g-pack players because we play them twice a year every year and you get to know certain individuals and and coaching staffs and what they like to do and how they like to play and and you just don't know that in the non-conference and so it's probably a little more relaxed isn't the right word but it's not as in depth what we do with scouting um we try to give the real basics and if there's one particular thing that's going to give us problems we're going to try to talk about that with the guys um but we're really going to be focused on, even that first week, really focused on making sure we're doing everything we need to do
0: um, at a high level. So, like I said, we're about three weeks out from the first game, and that first game will be against who?
2: Presentation College, okay. Aberdeen, South Dakota. So our, our, our start to the year, we're going to put some miles on for sure. Um, so the guys can blame me for that, for part of it at least. But we actually, that first week, we go to Aberdeen on a Monday. It's about a four, four-and-a-half-hour drive. And then we'll leave Thursday to go down to Kansas to play two games against Friends and Bethany, which, you know, again, we're putting some miles on, and it's a good chance to get to know each other a little bit better.
0: Eric, you guys putting the DVD collection together for the bus rides?
1: You know, we actually don't really watch many movies. We, we're, we're big into cards, although okay. Sphere kind of runs a card table. No one really <laughs> matches up as well. My sophomore year was the best class, you know, the seniors with Shane and Forbes, they're the best card playing class, but since then it's just kind of been an easy run for Spaghettira on the
0: You mix it up with the games you play or what's the go to?
1: Usually hearts. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I try to shoot the moon. I'm very aggressive. Play style usually gets me one win out of ten, fifteen games, so
0: <laughs> Who uh who's definitely would you say is the favorite to win
1: those games on the bus? Out of the players? Well, I'm just gonna throw a name out there that's not that's never one, I think. Jackson Lamb and Jeff Dobbinton. <laughs> Jeff Dobbinton's actually on a short ban right now from Hearts because he sat on his cards and we played with 48 cards instead of 52 <laughs> for a couple rounds. <laughs> uh-huh. um, the closest, oh, man, maybe, I don't even know, Coach. You got any input? I'd say maybe Luke. Does Luke play? Jared Betts was, but he graduated, so.
2: Yeah, I know last year's senior class, those guys played a lot, and they were pretty solid. Um you know, the current players, you know, you mentioned a couple of guys who have struggled in their times playing card games on the bus. Um, and I, I hate to do this because I don't like to give Eric credit for a whole lot. He's probably the best one, though, right now of our, of our current players. And he is a little overly aggressive at times, but it gets him wins, <laughs> too. So you can't fault the effort.
0: Yeah, Hearts is definitely a high-risk, high-reward type of game. But if you're willing to uh, to go for that moon, you can usually pull one or two off. So you guys and I know you guys are heading up to Jamestown for your first conference game. Uh, so you definitely are going to be putting some miles on the bus.
2: We are, and that's one we've talked about on on previous podcasts. Jamestown's the newest addition to the G Pack, um, and that'll be you know we open up the G Pack season going up there. So our first time to Jamestown's our G Pack opener this year, and you know one of the nice things about if I can spin this to a positive, being on the road so much the first ten days of the year is hopefully we miss out on potential winter weather issues. You know, we ha- we actually had a very similar situation last year. Our first three were on the road and all pretty good distances away. And we got them out of the way, didn't really experience a whole lot of issues with weather. And it's kind of nice to know by mid-November, your long trips are
3: done for the year. Yeah, but knowing you've got to start with Jamestown and the Pack. there could very easily be the winter weather already there. I'm pretty sure they've already had some snow. It's definitely a possibility, and I, I say
2: that, after living in North Dakota for two years. It, it's definitely possible, but I think that at least the odds are in our favor a little more than w- if it were January or February.
0: And so you'll play uh, some games right up through about Christmas break, and then you guys usually take a short break around that time. And then I know conference schedules moved up, it seems like, earlier and earlier every year. So how, how much your conference do you actually hit before you hit January?
2: We play eight of our 20 Pack games pre-Christmas. Um, And then we actually, a lot of times we'll take a break right before Christmas as a team. This year we're going to Arizona to play a couple non-conference games, and so we'll have that, and then we'll have a little break actually after Christmas this year, um, which is a little new to us, and then we kick right back into GPAC play on January 2nd, and it's GPAC all the way through at that point.
0: And We'll talk more about the schedule, obviously, once we get closer, but uh, we talked a little bit about recruiting, I think, a week or two or an episode or two ago, and we didn't really get into your upperclassmen a whole lot other than just in general. So uh, now let's talk a little bit about your juniors and seniors in the program and and how they've looked to you, what you expect from that group, and where you've really seen some leadership come out of those guys. So let's start with the juniors uh, on the team. We'll start with Jackson Lamb. Yeah, Jackson's a guy, you know, last year as a sophomore started for us, was a
2: second-team all G Pack player. He's incredibly energetic. You know, I say that in a very positive, complimentary way. Day-to-day in practice, he's always going to be a high-energy guy. Um, Obviously a phenomenal three-point shooter. You know, last year he was third in the country, made 105 threes last year as a sophomore. He's going to have a chance, you know, not saying he will, but he's going to have a chance to break the school record for threes in a career. At the pace he's at, he's he's on a pretty good pace. Um, Clay Harold doesn't want to hear that, but he's definitely going to have a chance. And, and he's really developed just his leadership now as a junior. And, and he played as a freshman, so he's been around it. This is his third year, kind of understands things. And the leadership he's had, the toughness he's played with, has been a big step forward he's taken this year as a junior, for sure.
0: Then you've also got Andy Geelan. And Andy's interesting because, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, so he left the program uh, to pursue uh, volleyball, and now he's back playing. And I know, like you said, he played in the alumni game last week against his brother, and, and so now he's back on the team. How's, how have things been looking with Andy?
2: Yeah, Andy, like you said, was with us as a freshman, um, recruited here to play basketball, was on, on, a, on the varsity team as a freshman, um, which was my last year as the assistant coach. And then he decided he wanted to pursue volleyball a year ago, which he did. He played on our men's volleyball team, and they had a phenomenal year. Uh, went to the Elite Eight, if I'm not mistaken. And then I think he kind of realized he, he missed the sport he'd grown up playing his whole life and, and asked me if he could come back to the basketball team. And Andy's a great kid. I, I had no hesitation about bringing him back. And it's, it's interesting because, and I've told him this too, that year off did him wonders. You know, I think he's a better basketball player right now than he was two years ago without even really playing that year off. But he's gotten stronger, increased his athleticism a little bit, and just the confidence he's playing with right
0: now has has been great for us. Is he the best dunker on the team, bringing those volleyball hops to the basketball court? He's not, and
2: and I'll be real honest, I don't know that we're ever going to wow anybody in a layup line with our dunking ability. Most of our guys are going to pull up and shoot threes instead of go up and dunk
0: it. Yeah, I've noticed that. I think every year we are last in the G pack in warm up dunks, but that's not a bad thing when we're at well, the end the Well, there's the a game. reason
2: for that, too, Matt. We, we actually tell our guys not to. So you're allowed to now in college basketball. We all know we shoot a lot more
0: threes than we do dunks, so let's get warmed up by doing what we're going to do in a game is is my philosophy. Those count a lot more, for sure. So those uh, are the the two juniors that you have on the roster, and you've got a handful – actually, I think you have six seniors on the team this year, so a lot of leadership – the guys who have been around the program, obviously, for a long time. Um, some guys who've uh, contributed for many of those those three years, and, and again, probably this year. And then a couple guys who will probably be asked to step up a, in a little bit bigger role than maybe what they've had in the past. So let's just start going down the list uh, with Jonathan Conyers. Yeah, John's a guy, you know,
2: been with us for four years now. Hasn't maybe seen a whole lot of playing time, game action, But John's another guy, I kind of lump him in with Jackson Lamb, just high energy, um, kind of a fun-loving, funny guy, fun to be around, been a great practice player for us, you know, and that's something, we've had that for a number of years now, just guys who have made us better by what they do in practice and the energy and the intensity they bring to practice every year, and and I'm going to put John right in that category with a lot of other guys we've had. And, uh, you know, we're certainly looking for him to continue that and and help in any way he can now as a senior.
0: Uh, Next we've got Jeffrey Dobinson.
2: Yeah, Jeff's a guy, you know, he's been in an interesting role really his whole time here. Um, I would guess he's played in the majority of games since he's been at Briarcliff. Uh, Maybe never been a full-on in the rotation going to play every game. But the best thing I can say about Jeff is he's just been reliable as you could ask for. Um, I the the one that stands out to me is last year we were playing Morningside at home and the two guys who were playing the big minutes for us at the five both in foul trouble in the first half and we called on Jeff to go in and I think he scored 11 points in the first first half hit a huge three gave us a huge spark off the bench and that's just kind of what he's been at this point been really steady helped us win games and now. You know, I was really excited about what he did in the offseason. I think he had a great offseason. I think he's put himself in a position to maybe up that role to something that hasn't been in his first three years. And I, I think that goes back to a couple, couple of weeks ago I talked about the intensity you, you get as a senior because you kind of start to realize this is it. I think he's found that a little bit, and it's awesome to see that.
0: We talked about the parity account. Uh, that exists out there of you, the Marks Foguera uh, Twitter account that exists. And, and I saw a tweet. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. About uh, Jeff Dobbinson. Yeah, uh,
2: he got zinged a little bit there.
0: Um, and if
2: there was anybody who could take that, laugh about it, and just run with it, it'd be Jeff Dobbinson. You know, I'm sure he was not offended in the least by that and probably laughed louder than anybody, just knowing Jeff.
0: Uh, next, we've got Nick Luttmer.
2: Yeah, Nick's a guy. Um, again, fourth year in the program. Tough, tough kid. You know, he's a great offensive rebounder. Loves to mix things up in practice. Um, if there's a collision involved in practice, or if there's a loose ball, he's probably involved. I do think part of that's because he doesn't always have the greatest sense of his surroundings, and he just kind of runs over people. But um, he's a tough kid. He's always going to mix it up. He's going to guard tough. He's going to crash the boards. He's a really good three-point shooter. And he's a guy, you know, he got put in a tough spot as a junior. He actually started our first game of the year, had a really bad ankle sprain, missed like the next seven games, and just never really got himself back in the rotation. Had some other guys who really stepped up and played well. Um, But I think Nick's back to a point where he's really confident and ready to have a big senior year for us. Lucas Webner? Yeah, Luke's a guy – You know, similar to John Conyers, hasn't played a whole lot at this point in his career, but the impact he's had on our program has been phenomenal. Luke's a great kid. He's a great student. He makes our practices better. He's a really smart player. He understands, you know, even last year running our scout team and and being the point guard on the scout team, he's had a huge impact in that regard. And another guy that I, you know, I'm hopeful now as a senior can step up into a, a maybe bigger, different role, whatever that
0: is. Uh, next uh, on the list we've got uh, Jay Wolf, and he's one of those guys we talked about, uh, one of those guys who's one of the, the more productive returners, just from a, a statistical standpoint. So what do you see coming from Jay coming into this season? I
2: think the sky's the limit for Jay as an individual player. Um, when you, If you want to talk about a two-way player who is elite offensively and defensively, it's Jay Wolf and he's a guy that he can lock somebody down, he can guard multiple positions on the defensive end, very rarely makes mistakes. He's incredibly efficient offensively, um, and like I said, the sky's the
0: limit. I'm, I'm looking for Jay to have a huge year for us. And then last and certainly not least, Eric Erdman. I know he's in the room, so uh, you know I'm sure you've had some very honest discussions with areas Eric can improve his game, but uh, how, how do you feel about Eric going into this season?
2: Yeah, we've had a lot of honest discussions about a lot of things over the last three and a half years. And, you know, as a coach, looking at it from my side and and thinking back to being a player as many years ago as that was for me, you just kind of gain a mutual respect and trust with guys when they go through the program over the course of four years. And that's where I would say Eric and I are at. Um, You know, we don't always agree on everything. But um, the thing about Eric, and obviously, you know, Eric's stats and what he's done his first three years here speak for themselves. You know, he's on pace to be probably the third all time leading scorer at Briarcliff. Probably going to be the all time assist leader, and he's going to be way up in the in the rankings all time in a ton of different stats. And so, pretty obvious, he's a good basketball player. What, what a lot of people don't know is is Eric's a better kid than he is a basketball player. He's a great student. He's a hard worker. He's a great leader. He holds his teammates accountable um, to the point where he irritates his teammates in practice sometimes, probably, but I I do think that's really good for us. Um, And, you know, the impact he's had on our program has been immense. You know, he came in as a freshman and was the sixth man on a 32 and 4 team. The last two years, he's a third team All American, first team All G Pack. And, you know, again, like I said about Jay Wolf, I think the sky's the limit for Eric and what he can do individually and what he can help
0: lead our team, to this year. So that gets us through the players. And I know you also have some uh, upperclassmen leadership on your student coach roster as well. We do. We actually
2: have three guys who are seniors, student coaches. Um, Bobby Beach Pattison, who's usually part of this podcast, but is actually a member of our golf team and playing in a match play event today. Um, Ethan Erdman, Eric's twin brother, has been a student coach. This is his third year, played one year, and been a student coach for three years. And then Cody Neewoner, similar situation, played a year, been a student coach for three years. And we talked a couple podcasts ago about student coaches and and how important they are to to our program and the little things they do behind the scenes, whether it's laundry, whether it's getting uniforms ready, whether it's ordering the food on the road, um, or just – bringing a positive energy to practice all, all three of those guys do such a good job of that and and i can't understate how important they are to the success of our program
0: so eric you know as a senior you've been with this program now going into your fourth year you've had an opportunity to to be an underclassman and now you're in a position to lead underclassmen and you've got another talented class of freshmen who have come in this year and you've had an opportunity now to practice with them for a few weeks uh what are what are some things that have surprised you in a good way about how the freshmen coming in have adapted to this level of competition
1: um I think just the toughness overall we've got some tough freshmen um you know there's we got four or five four practicing with us five practicing with us and and I think they're a lot of them are some of the toughest kids we have on our team, and that's really you know promising as a senior because I know coming in the as a freshman the the college game is just it's just faster it's more physical, people are taller longer it's it's a different game, and for them for to see them adjust as quickly as they have it's a it's a really really good thing.
0: I know you've got six seniors on the team this year that's a lot of leaders, a lot of leadership. Um, a lot of leadership probably on the court at one time. How do you guys get on the same page about making sure that you're uh, building and continuing a culture in a way that helps bring those guys in uh, without, you know, conflicting or contradicting each other or getting in each other's way? How do you feel like the six of you guys work together to help bring those young guys up?
1: Yeah, and I think that can go back to, you know, we had a lot of talent come back in the alumni game. We had a lot of great leaders come back as well. And fortunately, I was able to play with a lot of them. And uh, so, just learning from them and just seeing how they carried themselves, you know. And we had we've had pretty good records and pretty good teams the last three years. So, you know, just kind of taking what those guys have done. You don't change the feet of a winning racehorse. We're just we're just trying to replicate what's been done, and you know, obviously add our own personalities in there. But we all have the same goal, and you know, that's just to win ball games. And so, you know, all six of us just just try to work work hard as we can and push each other in practice. And it, I think it just rubs off on the rest of the team.
0: Do any of those freshmen, do they feel like they're intimidated by you guys a little bit? Or do you have anywhere the class clown or anything like that who you have to you know, tell to calm down a little bit here or there so that way they're not setting themselves up for uh, some extra running and practice or something like that by getting a big head?
1: No, 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 not not any freshmen. I'd say, if anything, it's just between me and Jackson. We like to give each other a hard time. But, but no, I mean. Yeah, it's all, it's all love there. So.
0: And I know one thing we're going to try to do is get more players in here to the podcast to learn about you guys and, and talk to you and let the people who listen to this hear more about you guys directly. But one thing we want to try to do is get to know you a little bit better. And so we're going to try some uh, quick lightning round questions here to see what Eric Erdman's all about. So I've got five questions here. First thing that comes to your head, these might not be easy. So if you need to take your time on a couple, that's fine. Uh, but we'll go ahead and start with, What is your favorite basketball movie?
1: Favorite basketball movie will have to be Hoosiers. Coach
0: Schultz will be proud. (laughs) His isn't Space Jam? Coach Schultz? No? Okay. Uh, What's uh, the best warm-up song you've ever had at any level?
1: Hmm. Probably Rave On. I think that's a little biased, but it gets me going.
0: That's probably the, the right answer.
2: And not to interrupt the lightning round. But a discussion for perhaps another podcast
0: is the fact that pep bands are way better than warm-up music just played over a, a speaker. You know, I, I think in in concept that's probably true, but I think that's also directly relative to the quality of the pep band. <laughs> and I don't, I don't probably wanna... some truth to that. <laughs> so yeah, we'll talk about that another day. But I, I think I agree with you again in theory. The most memorable game you ever played in.
1: Probably um, the GPAC championship game against Nebraska Westland, my freshman year.
0: I'm not 100% sure, but I'm thinking we were probably pushing the uh, fire code with how many people we had packed into this gym.
2: I think if the fire marshal came in that night, we might have been in a little bit of trouble because
0: this place was rocking that night. That was a hard game. So I, I do the, the scorebook for all home games. And, fun uh, fact about the podcast right there. Fact. So if you see me at the uh, at a game, stop by and, and say hi. But I was doing the book that game. And I will tell you, as somebody who's always been invested in Bradcliffe basketball since a very early age, it was tough that game to focus on what i was supposed to be doing at the table but also watch that game as a fan uh it was it was just i've never been in any atmosphere it,
2: well it, and what i remember most about that game was actually a couple of things but number one it didn't mean a whole lot you know it really didn't we had won the gpac regular season championship nebraska Wesleyan was almost second um at that point we had already both qualified for the nai national tournament and so it there just wasn't much on the line other than you know maybe a little momentum going down to Branson that year and I just remember the mentality our guys had going into that it was a we're not going to lose this game mentality and we were down 13 with eight minutes to go and we had a couple guys and I remember Austin pulling the most that game just kind of you could tell he wasn't going to lose that game and and those are so awesome to see and when there's really not much at stake and you still have that mentality I think that makes a team special
0: for sure that was uh, as a fan one of the most memorable games i've ever been to what's your best coach figuera impression
1: impression or impersonation
0: <laughs> first what's your impression so right what was the <laughs> f- your first impression of coach figuera and then what's your impersonation
3: okay
1: first impression okay. <laughs> was well for example we we played at high school team who wasn't very good and it was over 3 hours away and and he drove there to watch me and my brother play. So, first impression was probably this guy's crazy. Um, but impersonation, geez. I'd, I'd, I'd have to go with a little something like, Erdbee, quit turning the ball over. And then, you know, that's about it, you know? <laughs> I don't know.
0: That's pretty good. I hear him during the game yeah. sitting at the scorer's table. Yep. That's about what he sounds like yelling uh, the entire <laughs> game. And then, uh, question number five What is your favorite post game meal?
1: Favorite post-game meal? I've got two. High school, we always had Casey's Pizza and some kettle-cooked potato chips. Or we'd watch KMT News. Um, shout out to mom and dad. But uh, right now, it'd probably have to be, you know, I'm a big fan of Pita Pit. So that's up there, Or, and uh, I'd probably have to say on the road, I guess Pizza Ranch.
0: A lot of these smaller towns that you guys go to, it's probably about Pizza Ranch and maybe a subway. That's probably about your only options. Yeah.
2: There's some Pack towns that pretty limited options at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Yeah, that's I for bet. sure.
1: Yeah, I would say Pizza Ranch is definitely above Pizza Hut or any other of the chain restaurants that are open late. Pizza Ranch is definitely number one.
0: And if Pizza Hut was considering sponsoring this podcast, <laughs> any views expressed by Eric Erdman are only those of his and are not necessarily <laughs> endorsed by any of us in this room. Although we may agree. As I mentioned, Kevin Potterbaum's joining us here. He's the Briarcliff Sports Information Director. And as always, he's gone into the archives of Briarcliff history to dig out some numbers for us. And I think because Eric Erdman is our guest today, uh, Kevin came up with some uh, information specific to... Erdman, and so uh, we're going to
3: give Kevin a chance to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, first off, I was thinking earlier when Coach Figueroa was talking, he kept talking about all these uh, stats that, you know, Eric has a chance to be very high up on the career leader boards. Um, there was one stat I noticed, probably not going to be making any, any breaking any records here, and I was going to test to see how much of a stat rat Eric is on his own personal stats. In your career here at Briar Cliff, do you know how many blocked shots you have? Uh,
1: I'll give you a quick
3: hint. It's not a whole lot of them.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say on single digits, I'm going to say eight.
3: Eight. Hey, Coach, what do you think he's sitting at?
1: I think he's probably close.
2: Um, if you went shot block attempts that turned out to be fouls, <laughs> it'd be a heck of a lot higher. But uh, I'm going to say seven.
3: Well, if we were playing Prices Right rules, you both were, went over five block shots in your career. So probably not gonna be on the all-time leaderboard for block shots. Even more so, I noticed you don't really do it a whole lot away from home. One block shot in any gym other than the Newman Flanagan in, in in the career. So not really in your in your forte, especially on the road.
1: Yeah, I like to save my LeBron chase downs for home, get the crowd going.
3: Well and we're up on the hill, so the altitude's a little bit higher, <laughs> air's a little bit thinner, and so it's easier to sky up in the air a little bit. Any clue as to where that one block on the road was? No. Nothing. It was it was not against a G Pack opponent, so probably not. No. It was at Graceland, November seventh of twenty seventeen. You look like you don't remember it, so it probably wasn't a – I'm i I'm thinking it was a, a score just My putting down the wrong number.
2: Statistician error on that one.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to go ahead and say that you've probably never actually blocked a shot away from this gym. Speaking of, of going to other gyms, I did pull up, and I was going to see if you could guess. In GPAC competition, um, you guys have not had a road game in a GPAC tournament over the last three years, so you've played – one game each year against every Pack opponent. Obviously, Jamestown excluded since they weren't in the Pack. What would be your guess as to which, which gym you've scored the most points in in road Pack competition?
1: Mm, probably uh, Northwestern's gym.
3: What are you thinking, Coach?
2: Well, I know as a sophomore he scored
3: 41 up at uh, the Boltman Center at Northwestern, so I'm going to go with that too. That is correct. There's something about Sioux County. Because in your career, 70 points against Northwestern on the road. Second place is Dort at 66, just four points behind, thanks to a 26-point performance as a freshman in the barn. So something about Sioux County, you really pick up the scoring.
1: I guess so must just rub from Colt Schultz, because I don't know if he, he enjoys going up to Sioux, Sioux, Sioux County and coming back with a win.
3: All right, so with that, I also have to go with the negative. What, what's the gym that you need to step up this year? For your lowest scoring in your career on the road in the GPAC,
1: um, probably I, I'm going to say either Midland's gym or Mount Marty's gym.
3: I'm pretty confident when I say it's going to be Midland's gym. Well, you shouldn't be that confident because it's <laughs> Mount Marty's gym. Just 25 points on the road against the Lancers. Uh, the only the only team that has a as a junior, you were held to single digits on the road in the g So I'm going to expect a little more uh, out of you. I believe it's Simple Arena up there in, in Yankton. It is. So apparently it's not been so simple for you. We need to see some more output. I had one other thing to, to go. Um, you know, we, we just got done with, with homecoming um, a couple of weeks ago. And a, a phrase homecoming gets used a lot when a college player goes back to their hometown. And Coach, I'd love to get your feelings on how to prepare a kid when they're going to go back to their hometown. Eric, uh, I won't even quiz you on this. I just get asked, what was going on in your game in Forest City? Uh, you, you, you went back home for one game, and your, your fouls equaled the same amount of points that yeah. you had.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I made a lot of refs mad in that area in high school, so <laughs> carried over. No, yeah, I just got in really foul trouble, and
3: no. For the record for everybody, one of six shooting, <laughs> 0 for three from three-point range. Fortunately, he did go three for four from the free-throw line to get himself up to the five points, but also matching that with five fouls.
2: And I'm just going to second what Eric said. I, I had a chance to watch him play a lot in high school, and I call it the Erdman stare. If he didn't like the call, he would, he would just stare down that official, and I'm sure it's a famous thing amongst high school officials in north-central Iowa. Um, so he might be onto something there. But uh, that game, he definitely got in early foul trouble. I do remember that. And, and you had asked about, as a coach, how you prepare. And I think all I said to Eric was, just go play. You know, don't worry about it. And I, I think that's great when we can do that for our players, you know, to play in their hometown or somewhere close to their hometown um, to get some fans there who maybe followed them in high school but don't make it up to Briarcliff for games, you know. And so I, we had a huge Erdman contingent in Forest City there that night. And his parents actually made us a post-game meal that was phenomenal. And I, I wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't give a shout-out to Frank Erdman and his smoked pork.
3: Oh, man, when we asked you your favorite post-game meal, I feel like that should have been the response.
1: Yeah, well, he's, he's recently picked up smoking food. So there wasn't any of that in high school, but I definitely wish there was.
3: So,
0: Eric, as a senior, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but, uh, you know, this this will be your last season here with the Cliff, and then obviously you'll be graduating and going on to do do some other things, and so what are you going to take away from Briar Cliff?
1: Oh, um, just the sense of you need to work hard to get where you're at. I mean, college basketball is, is demanding. It, it demands a lot of your time. It demands a lot of your energy, your effort, you know, and so I think just being able to, you know, manage my time, you know, be able to put my... My whole effort into one thing and and to see it through and to see the hard work pay off is is something that I'll definitely carry on into the workforce or wherever I go. Do
0: you feel like Coach Figueroa has been a positive influence on your life?
1: Oh, absolutely. He may get a lot of gripe, but he's definitely a great leader for this program.
0: Heading into the season, you know, like we've said earlier, we're three weeks away from the games. Uh, what's your mindset at this point uh, in the? process or in the season as opposed to how it's going to be you know the 48 hours before you play your first game
1: yeah definitely the mindset right now is just to stay healthy you know keep the body healthy the season's long find that out early but um and you know just trying to get the team you know where we need to be as a you know as a senior and as a leader I know I've been here for three years I know what it takes and like I said I've been able to play with some great leaders so just trying to get the guys in the right state you know and just taking a step forward each and every day and getting getting better and getting ready for games.
0: Awesome well thanks for joining us today and uh, you know obviously good luck to you. We're excited to see what the season brings. you know I think there's some some excitement and, and some high expectations for you guys this this year but I know the conference is no cakewalk ever and every night you know is, is a battle and so we're excited to see what you guys can do. So we're gonna go into our, our shout out segment and throw out some shout outs. The first one I'll throw out is to Dan Mathewitz from Harrisburg, South Dakota, who I was golfing with this weekend, aced hole eight at the Prairie Green Golf Course in Sioux Falls. It was incredible. First hole in one I've ever seen, and, and uh, we went wild. So shout out to Dan Mathewitz. Fun fact, he works for the company that did a lot of the new graphics around the Newman Flanagan Center. So there's a Cliff tie there.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to give a shout-out to our athletic trainers at Briarcliff. Sadly, we've used them a little more than I'd like at this point in the year, um, but they do a great job in the way they treat our athletes, prepare them for competition, help them when they are hurt. You know, We've had a couple couple ankles, a broken nose, and a bruised knee so far, and hopefully one of these days we can have a full roster for practice. So That's what we're kind of hoping for this coming week. But uh, shout out to those guys for all they do and all the time they put in to help us out.
3: And I, I wanted to give a shout out to the, the women's soccer team. Um, right now, they're off to the best start they've ever had in Pack play, um, sitting undefeated uh, in the GPAC season. I believe it's either five or six Pack games without a loss. Not only that, in, in soccer, not even a tie, because we know how Coach Figuera feels about that. But the women's soccer team isn't even wasting their time with ties. They're getting straight up wins. Love it.
0: We did have a couple of listener questions come in, both from an anonymous source, so I don't have anyone to give credit to, but the first question I'll give to you, Coach Figuera, is out of all the guys you've coached here at Briarcliff, whether as an assistant or as a head coach, who, in your opinion, would be in their prime the most NBA-ready? Wow. Wow. Not necessarily who's performed well here at the Cliff, but who has the physical tools and the ability to step into an NBA game and maybe even hold their own for a minute?
2: All right, this is a great question, and I wish whoever sent it would have put their name on it because um, we'd give them a shout-out for a great question. Um, number one, we've been fortunate. We've had some outstanding players in my seven, now eighth year at Briar Cliff, handful of all-Americans, all-GPAC-type players. Um, but I, I think if the question is NBA-ready in terms of, you know physical attributes and, and basketball skill i'd probably say our assistant coach jake shipley you know he had the length um, the shooting ability he could be a guy if he had to go in an NBA a game um, he'd get embarrassed on defense absolutely but to be a a, a three-point specialist he could absolutely do that and at, at six seven six eight you know he's going to be able to get shots off i think
0: and along those same lines from an X's and O's and basketball IQ standpoint, which one of the guys you've coached will be the first to lead an NCAA Division One team to a national championship as a coach?
2: Who? We well, got a handful of guys who are in the coaching profession. Um, one I just mentioned, you know, our assistant coach. Um, but I'm going to go a different route this one. I'm going I'm to say Brian Forbes. You know, Brian as a player, in a lot of ways, had some coach on the floor attributes to him. Um, also did some things that drove us as a coaching staff absolutely crazy, um, but Brian's now in his second year as a grad assistant on a Division One basketball staff. Who, you know, they're they're doing good things at East Tennessee State, and and I think Brian's probably on the fast track to to move himself up in the coaching profession. So, Brian Forbes is my answer for that one.
0: All right. Well, that'll do it for this installment of the BC Buckets podcast. Make sure you get your listener questions into us either on Twitter at at BC Buckets cast or shoot us an email at BC Buckets podcast at gmail.com. A lot of the fun in this is getting those those questions from listeners to try to throw a curveball our way, especially coaches way to see. Uh, how he might feel on a a variety of topics, whether they're basketball-related or not. So make sure you send those in and and keep listening to us. If you are listening to us on iTunes, uh, please give us a review if you like what you hear and get the word out. We want as many people listening as possible to get the word out and the excitement out about Briarcliff basketball for this upcoming season. And if you don't like us, don't give us a review. Absolutely. So for the rest of the crew, for Kevin, for Eric, and for Coach Figuera, that'll do it. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks.